We thought we would have a little Easter egg hunt this morning. No, that's not really true. But we're going to be talking about those eggs in a little bit. You might try to figure out what those eggs have to do with what they just sang about. It has a lot to do with it because everyone has a responsibility to go, whether you go into the marketplace or you go to some field like we just saw. I guess the most exciting part of my life that God has given to me is being able to minister like we have been able to this week. But going to the mission field is just something really special. I trust that God can just uh, get your heart so excited about missions. Home missions, the marketplace where you live, foreign missions. Some of you will never go there, but always be willing. I know I've said this so many times, and sometimes I think it almost gets redundant. You keep repeating it and repeating it. But if you could experience, and some of you are experiencing it, but for others of you, you could just experience what God's best is in your life and be willing to do it. As we started on Monday talking about total life management, a life purchased. If you know Christ personally, your life has been purchased by him. You belong to him. Great, great price he paid for you. And he has something very special and specific for each one of us to do. And we talked about that in an introductory way on Monday. So we talked about moving through the process and looking at the end of our lives and moving backwards. And we're going to be getting into that in more detail this morning. And as we focus our lives, we want to focus on really three things we've been talking about through this process. The number one and key, and I wish that I wouldn't have been 56 years old before I really realized what it meant. Old enough to be your grandfather, at least most of you. This. It's kind of scary. Devil will say, hey, listen, you got to be pretty careful. That's pretty dangerous. Remember when we're born, we're born like this. And when we die, we die like this. And I don't know if that's why, you know, Paul talks about the fact of dying daily. Daily committing our lives to Christ. I began several years ago praying like this almost every day. I prayed that way this morning. I prayed this way on the plane last night coming back from New York. But God would use my life. There would be nothing in my life, nothing that would prevent him from doing the work he wants to do, that I in turn might be the person that God wants me to be, that my life would make others thirsty for the things of God and the word of God, that my life would be a light that leads others, not into paths of darkness, but into paths of light, that they might experience the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about salt and light, and every one of us have that responsibility you don't know today what your life has for you, but if you can begin focusing from the end, yes, Lord, and then being like the Lord Jesus, having the mind of Christ as we talked about Wednesday, that our thought lives might be focused upon God and his word on a day-by-day -day basis. I don't want to live my life any differently Monday when I'm in the marketplace than I lived it while I was with you this week. I don't want to pray any less about going into the marketplace than I would pray about coming in having the privilege and opportunity of speaking to you. Because I don't know who God's going to bring into my pathway next week that I might have the opportunity of sharing or who is observing and looking at my life and wondering, is what I talk about really real? 
And then that third item that we saw on Monday at the end of that process, well done. And we're going to be talking about the well done aspect really today. It's all woven together, but the well done that God may say to us one day, well done, as he could say to his son. As Paul says there in 2 Timothy at the end of his life, he said, you know, I finished the course, I've kept the faith. Then there's a verse of scripture, the next verse, and it talks about I've been, been being and doing. In the Amplified it says, I've been being the person that you want me to be and I've been doing the things that you wanted me to do. And then he says, it's not just for me, it's for everyone. Everyone who has that hope within them that one day they're going to be with the Lord for all eternity. And that's my prayer for you, that Jesus Christ might be central in your lives. You're in a marvelous environment for these four years, most of you. Take every opportunity to grow in the things of God because once you leave this little cocoon, so to speak, you know the world outside is pretty ugly. And God wants to prepare you to be people that God wants you to be. Today, I want you to, those sheets you have in front of you, we're going to be getting to those in just a few moments. But I want to take you through a little bit of a process. Uh, we normally could spend a couple of hours talking about this, and it's a very favorite subject to me, because we're going to talk about being effective. I think that's God speaking. We're going to talk about being effective, how to live beyond good intentions. A lot of us have a lot of good intentions about things that we're going to do, but we never seem to put any action to the intentions. And we're not going to really get to that sheet that you have there for a little bit. We're going to kind of set the tone for it for just a little while. Do you know what it means to be effective? To be effective is the ability to get right things done, whether you're in ministry, in business, as a homemaker, whatever you're area of responsibility might be it's the ability to get the right things done there are lots of things to do when I arrive in Dallas this evening and I look through the stack of mail that'll be there for being gone for a week and I get to my office and look at the mail and all the telephone messages that I haven't been able to return during this week that I've been here and been traveling I have to determine what's the right thing that's why I make lists and try to organize my life on a daily basis and a weekly basis. Sensitive to the Spirit of God living within me that I might do the right things. I don't always achieve that, but it's an objective of my life. We want to talk about that. If you want to take your Bibles, there's some interesting verses in Ephesians chapter 5. There's a word in the 16th verse that... Uh, will be a word you'll hear a lot about as you live your life and we're going to be talking about that word today along with several other words but in Ephesians 16 5 it says see then that you walk circumspectfully not as fools but as a wise person God's word is saying to the Apostle Paul don't be a fool be a wise person everyone wants to be a wise person how do you become a wise person verse 16 tells us redeeming the time because the days are evil person who wastes their time constantly, the Bible says, is a fool. The person who redeems their time or takes care of their time has the conscious objective to do right things, to be effective, is a wise person. There's two words in the Greek language in the New Testament for the word time. One has to do with a very short period of time, something like clocks. 
The other is the word here. It has to do with the opportunity or a broader period of time. And we mentioned as we were looking at total life management on Monday that we have a compass to guide our life, which is God's word. We have a variety of maps as we build our spiritual atlases, the circumstances and experiences that God brings us through as we see God's faithfulness and as we live our lives for his glory. We talked about clocks and we talked about calendars very briefly that we're going to be talking about this morning. But here it says, don't lose any opportunity that God gives to you. Prayerfully consider the opportunities that are in front of you to make sure that the ones that you choose are the right ones because your life will be filled with opportunities. Never allow the dollar sign to be the influencing factors on the opportunities that God brings to you. Never allow the dollar sign to be the influencing factor to choose the opportunities that God brings to you. I've had periods in my life, once when I left business, my income went down 90%. The next five years were the most rewarding years of my entire life. God moved me out of that into a faith ministry where I had to live on love offerings for a few years. You ever lived on love offerings? Sometimes you find out you're not really loved very much, but God always loves you and he always makes a provision. Then God thrust me back into business. Then my responsibilities change. I'm still living like this, that God might work through my life. And if I'm not going, then I must be giving. I hear so many young people, and maybe you have said it, well, I have a decision to make, but you know, I think I'm going to go into business. And the reason I'm going to do it is I'm going to make a lot of money so I can give a lot of money to missions. It's a very good motive. But only if it's the proper motive and the right thing that God wants for your life. Because most never achieve the second part of that. Because just the structure of life in which we find ourselves living in can so easily consume us that the objective that might have been a good one that we had in the beginning never seems to become a reality. If God moves you into the marketplace, that's the best place you can ever be. But don't, please don't just make an assumption without presenting your life like this so God can do the work he wants to do. I've heard on campus when I've been here and talking to a few of the students, well, I know God will never ask me to do this. I will never be this. Don't use the word never. When I look at my life, there's so many things that have transpired in the last few years that I would say, I, I would say, I know this would never happen to me. Just be willing to be the person that God wants you to be. To use the opportunity. Redeem the time. Then it says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Comprehend the opportunities to make sure they're the ones that God is presenting to you to use for his glory. And it's very interesting that the next verse, verse 18, talks about being filled with the Spirit. When, you know, when the original writing was, they didn't have a, a break there where the person who translated the Bible or where they have a King James or American Standard or whatever, they put little, little paragraph headings. Of course, those aren't in the original. So a wise person redeems the time, looks at every opportunity, tries to determine, God, what direction do you want me to go with this opportunity? Living a life filled with God's presence, surrendered obedience. Focused on being like the Lord Jesus with the mind of Christ so we can make the decisions we have to make as we live our lives for the glory of God. That's an exciting way in which to live. I trust that that's the desire of your own heart. 
You know, when you look at the life of the Lord Jesus, his life was very interesting. He lived as you and I would live, sinless person, very God, but he lived as you and I would live on planet Earth. We know that the focus of his life was to do the things that his father asked him to do. I uh, read a book when I was on the way to the mission field a couple of months ago, and and uh, it was really exciting. In fact, one day I got out by this river, and I just uh, stayed there for a long period of time, reading some things the author had to say. First of all, how Jesus Christ responded to his father, and then all the times that Paul said, through Galatians and Philippians and Ephesians and Colossians, the aspect of being in Christ, that Christ was in him. And as I read these, I kind of made a Xerox copy of it when I came home, and I put some red lines, and I have it in the front of my Bible. And every now and then, I just start to reflect upon it, meditate upon it. That Jesus Christ, as he lived upon planet Earth, lived his life just the way he wants you and me to live our lives, dependent upon the Father, Spirit of God that lives within us. You know, he says, like, I can do nothing. Can you imagine Jesus Christ, very God, say, I can do nothing except the Father. He doeth the work. It's interesting to note that Jesus Christ, the focus is to be what his Father wants him to be so he can always do the work that his Father wants him to do. And that was Paul's objective. He even says things like, I always hearing the voice of my Father. I see the Father. The Father taught me. My Father loves me and loves you. I go to the Father. The Father abides in me. I perceive things that are from above. I hear my Father speak. My Father is with me. My Father constantly bears witness to me. My Father is in me and He is doing the work. He is doing the work. I want God to be God in my life. I want to be the person God wants me to be so He can say, Bruce, I want you to join me over here in this opportunity that I have. Knowing that everything needed to complete that opportunity will be there because God's there. And I thought, wow, if Jesus lived his life like this on earth, how much more important is it for me to live my life that way on earth? When you look at the life of Jesus and you talk about time, I think of John 11, Lazarus. Jesus was ministering in Bethany. And if you've been to Israel, and some of you probably will be studying there because isn't masters have a school in, in, uh, is it in Jerusalem or nearby? Anyway, Jesus was ministering down by the Jordan River, which is, well, a full hard day's walk as you walk up from a below sea level to about, uh, I think, 3,000 or something elevation, the city of Jerusalem. And Bethany's right behind it. And he got word that his good buddy and friend, someone he liked, you know, kind of sit around and kick his sandals off and spend time in Mary and Martha's home and spend time with Lazarus, was really ill, sick nigh unto death, the scriptures say. And Mary and Martha said, come quickly. Because we know you can heal him. What did Jesus do, class? How long did he wait before he got to Bethany? How many days? Four days, wasn't it? He waited two days to minister and took a couple of days to get there. And when he got there, where was Lazarus? He was rotting in a grave. And how did the sisters respond? Oh, they probably, didn't they say, Jesus, we know that you're very God and your father delayed you. The ministry that you had was really important because you always do what your father asked you to do. We think you're late, but you're right on time. Lazarus is dead. You didn't heal him, but you can resurrect him. They didn't respond that way. They responded like you would respond and like I would respond. Didn't you care? I mean, what could be? Couldn't that Bible conference be put on hold? Didn't you care? All the meals I cooked for you. But he wasn't late. 
Everyone thought he was late, but he was right on time because to heal Lazarus would never have been as great a miracle as to call forth and have Lazarus come forth from the grave. The opportunity to glorify his father. In fact, he says in essence, as he prays to his father, they all think I'm late, father. They were looking for a healing and now we're going to have a resurrection so that you can be glorified. When we're on time with the opportunities that God gives to us, they will glorify the Lord who lives within us. The purpose and the objective of being the salty people that God wants us to be, showing the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, for example, in uh, Acts 20:24, my desire to finish the course or the process which I received from the Lord. And then the verses we already mentioned in 2 Timothy 2:4, where he said, I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Jesus said this in John 17, 4, I finished the work. How old was he? 33 years old, and he had finished the work. It's amazing. Now, I want the fellows to put something up on the screen for me. going to correspond with what you have in front of you. We're going to take some time in the remaining time to go through something I trust will be very, very helpful to you. On the screen, you see three specific areas. It says across the top, be effective. The ability to be able to do right things. Across the bottom, you have living your life upon the foundation of God's word, which is the compass to give you direction. We're going to share with you the process of establishing in your own life the ability to seize the opportunities that God gives to you and to grasp more of the opportunities that maybe would pass by because you have that focus where it needs to be. And the first thing it says up there, number one, is we have to make the choices and decisions as to what God wants to do in our lives. Now, some of you use computers very well, and others of you might be computer illiterate like I am. I'm not very good. I'm not good at all on computers. But I know there's some terminology relating to computers. First of all, I know that a programmer is very important because programmer determines what direction you're going in as far as a computer is concerned. Programmer always asks the question, you know, what do you want the program to be used for? And that's what you need to ask in your own personal life. There's going to be four questions we're going to look at. Number one, what? What is it that God wants me to do? What is it I need to do in your personal life, in your spiritual life, in your business life, in your dating relationships, in your ministry, your career, in your marriage? What, what, what? What is it that God wants me to do with my life? Second question on the left-hand side, why? Why am I doing it? Now, one and two will always kind of blend together. The what can't be overriding the why because the proper motivation, the conviction of knowing that it's the right thing to do. Keeping those first things first in perspective. Talks about priorities. Talks about values. What do you value? Each one of you will have a multiple of roles. Your students, your daughters, your sons. Some of you are parents, grandparents, teachers, professors. Some of you are workers in a variety of capacities as you're helping your way through school. We have a lot of different roles. I focus my life on six primary roles that we're going to be talking about in a moment. And I want in those roles to be the effective person that God wants me to be, that Christ might use me 
the influence of my life in those specific areas. And then, how do I get it done? Thirdly, is God just going to thrust me into something without giving me the tools? No, I need to sit down and do some organization. And that sheet that we're going to look at in a few moments will help in that area. You can file it away someplace because you can use it almost every day of your life, parts of it. How do I get it done so that the action is taken so that I just don't live with good intentions? Now you say, why do you have these little eggs up here? Let me tell you what these eggs represent. As you look at your life, item number two, where it talks about putting first things first, I want you to realize that these eggs represent all the things that are important to you, the various roles you have in your life. And you realize the way I have it there, I can't put the lid on top of this little plastic bucket. And you know what all the other stuff in the bottom, which is sand, represents? It represents all the things that seem to come into our lives that crowd out the things that are important, the things God would want us to do. And you know, just like I had it in the bucket, these things seem to come first, and the important things seem to come whenever they can come. If you can learn a lesson, I began to learn it in 72. It kept growing in my life. I taught my children the importance of spending time every day in God's word. I forced them to do it when they lived in my home. Couldn't force them to be spiritual, but I could require them to have a quiet time. Over and above family devotions was personal quiet time, personal quiet time. I have four sons. God has moved two of them out of business into ministry in the last few years, and all four of them God has placed in ministry. That doesn't. That, I'm, I'm thankful for that, but I don't want you to get the impression that that makes it better than the fact that if all four of them are godly business people. I don't find any correlation in Scripture from one to the other, but I required it, and I had to do it to require it. And it's a focus of my life, and it's grown from then, these last 22 years. And it's become of even greater importance in the last few years. But see, all this other stuff gets crowded in. But I want to show you something. It's amazing. I put God first. And I want to put my wife second. And then I want to put my children and uh, my grandchildren, my business, my career, my ministry. The opportunities that God has given to me, whatever they might be, the things that are important to me. Then when I have those focused in my life properly, then all the other stuff. And it's really hard because this other stuff comes every day. The phone rings, someone asks you to do something and you got something else you know you need to do. You got a report coming due in a few days. I mean, why do it before the night before? It doesn't make much sense, does it? Might as well do it when you're sharp under, I'm always sharper under pressure. The night before, always the best time. Well, whatever it is, we organize our lives in such a way that uh, we get the important things in and then we realize that all the other stuff that we enjoy doing or like to do or comes into our life, there's plenty of room for everything and still some room left over. Now, this is a hard lesson. It's so easy to pour this sand over these eggs. So simple to talk about it. But I, every day, have to face the situation that there's things that are pulling my life apart. I'm involved in a lot of things. I love to be busy. I got a call on Friday afternoon asking me if I would come to upstate New York for a very important meeting on Thursday. I was planning to be here on campus. I said, please come. We're flying five businessmen. I had to sit and really pray. And I called Dave and I said, Dave, do you care if I leave after chapel on Wednesday and I'll be back at midnight on Thursday night and I'll be in chapel on Friday morning? 
because I had the responsibility of being here. If he would have said, no, I think you should stay on campus, I would have stayed. But he said, no, I think it'd be fine. And I really felt that's what God wanted me to do. And I altered my plan, and I'd been praying for weeks about being here and what God wanted us to say and that God would keep our heart prepared for being here. And God adjusted it. I want to be sensitive because God adjusts our lives. We have interruptions every day. I may have my life perfectly organized. I don't know if the plane's going to take off this afternoon when I get to LAX to go back to Dallas. I don't have the foggiest idea. I don't know what God has planned for me on the way to the airport. But I want to be a person that has the focus that his life is where God wants him to be so that we get the things done that God wants us to get done. You have to decide where your point of reference is. Either your point of reference is God or your point of reference is all the other things. And if you make your point of reference God, then everything else will fit together, as hard as it is to believe. We know it's true, but it's a very, very difficult task. It's no easier today than it was a week ago or a month ago or five months ago. Every day I have to focus on the fact that I need to spend time with God. Now, every day isn't the same. That's why I look at calendars and not clocks. If I say every day I want to be the husband God wants me to be, the father God wants me to be, the man of God that I ought to be, the time I spend with God, the time I spend here, the time I spend there, and every day I try to segregate that day and cram all those activities into it, my life is filled with frustration. There's not enough time in the day. But if I look at my week, my calendar, and I say, i got to dedicate some time to my wife this week, i got to dedicate some time to my children this week. It's different now. They're all gone from home. What a glorious day. <laughs> my wife was weeping when the last one left, and I want to know if there wasn't an earlier flight. I love my kids, but I tell you, the empty nest is a wonderful, wonderful thing. This afternoon, my son arrives with four grandchildren and his wife to spend a week at our house, and Two weeks later, another son with three children arrive and his wife. Those would be great weeks. But you know, the focus, if I'm looking at it as a clock perspective, it's not the same every day. But I've set some time aside next week to spend with those grandkids. We got a lot of neat things planned. Starts with a scavenger hunt tonight in the house. With, with Toys R Us dollars at the end of the rainbow. And they'll be looking all through the house. And we have it for the three-year-old, and we have it for the five-year-old, and we have it for the seven-year-old. The 14-year-old just wants us to go out and buy her some clothes so she doesn't care about a scavenger hunt. But the little ones want to find it. So I've got time segregated. I've got golf one day. I've got a rodeo tomorrow night. Now, I've planned some things. And we're going to have a great time. But the next week, they're all going to be gone. And I don't have to put them into the basket, so to speak, because life is dramatically different than it'll be this next week. And that's why I'm so conscious about the calendar aspects of planning your life, because I want to spend time every day with God to a certain... I want to commit that day to God. I want God to be the controlling factor in that day as I begin the day, as I get up out of bed. But uh, I may have a very early activity. I mean, I got to bed in New York uh, Wednesday night very late, and I had a 7 o'clock wake-up that I had to get up, which was 4 o'clock out here, 
I didn't spend any time in God's Word. I have to tell you, you might think I'm a heathen, but I got up and staggered to the shower and got dressed and shaved and put my clothes on and went to a meeting and spent all day. But when I got on the plane, I had seven hours from New York to LAX. I got a lot done. I read and spent some time in God's Word, went over some material because the time was there to be able to do it. And I, I just really pray that you will focus upon being the effective people that God wants you to be. Now take your uh, sheet of paper that you have in front of you. Let's talk about that for a couple of minutes. It says your answers to the questions below will determine the outcome of your personal life, your relationships, your career, your ministry, your hobbies, the whole focus of your life. Number one, your decision. What do I want to accomplish with my life, my family, my career, my ministry? What do you want to accomplish? What do I focus on? What's the purpose of your life? What's the philosophy you live by? Do you have any plans or objectives? I think we need to start developing, even at your age. I was never challenged with this until maybe 10 years ago. The aspect of wanting to know and really sensing what God had in store for me. Uh, I live by a planner like this. Uh, it's helped me to focus on some very specific areas. I don't use it every single day. I don't go through the various areas of my life every single day. But to the things that are important, the things that I know that God wants to accomplish in and through my life. And then it talks about objectives. I think you just need a sheet of paper where you start writing down a lot of things that God throws into your mind of things that you might like to do, you might want to do, he might want you to do, relating to a variety of subjects, no organizational aspects of it. This is kind of like part of the journaling, and I feel you ought to journal your life. When you journal your life, you begin to see how God works in your life and the things that God does in your life, the way God is using you in the lives of other people. Then it says... Why do I want to do all these things that I've written down? Do you know why you want to do them? Have I asked God to direct my plans through prayer and God's word? What would I be willing to exchange to make my plans or objectives become a reality? How strong is my commitment? Am I really motivated to reach those objectives? Most people, and I've been in sales and I've trained and worked with salespeople for most of my life. My own self included, we set a lot of objectives and people establish a lot of goals and they're never reached. Why? Because there's no format to being able to establish them where they're reachable. I don't have any that I know of statistical goals or objectives. Mine are all relational. I want God to be the one that determines the result on the other end. I want to be the person that God wants me to do, to be and as I do the work of God, let him add the numbers I wanted to be as prepared in my heart to spend time with those 30 Indian boys in the jungles of Venezuela two weeks ago as I'd be prepared to be here with several hundred and it's important for us to get that objective and to focus on that being relationship and let God take care of the results too much is established upon the basis of how much and how many and how big and God says, we need to focus on our relationship to him and let God take care of the amounts. That's why the focus is on being the person God wants you to be. 
not on doing the work of God. Now, the work of God's going to follow and it's going to come. But are you really focused on the objective? Do you know what it is that God wants you to do? Well, you don't really. That's why it's living a day at a time. Then number three says, how will I accomplish my plans or objectives? Am I living by positive actions or good intentions? Now, I'm going to stop just there for a moment, and I want to take my calendar, and I want to give you some examples. When it talks about why on the screen, it talks about values, priorities, objectives, focus, and roles. It talks about this. I've divided my life into six categories. And I have, I have six sections in my planner. My first objective is to be the man of God that God wants me to be. What do I want to be? I want to be the man of God that God saved me to be. Why? So I can glorify him with my living and I can enjoy God's presence in my life. How am I going to get it done? Got to spend time in God's word. Got to spend time in prayer. Got to memorize his word. Got to do some of the things we talked about on Wednesday. I got to think properly. Got to get impurities out of my life. It's a whole process. So I have here in front of me the objective that I have to be that man of God, and I keep working through it. I have a chart here that tells me four areas that I try to work on every week. One is my relationship to God. It has to do with the door, because it has to do with the closet time. The other is physical. If I don't keep in good shape, I'm not going to be able to perform properly. I've been meeting my brother over here at the health center between 5.30 and 6. We've been there together the last three mornings. This morning I got up and I was... Man, oh man, what city is it and what time is it? And I was kind of groggy and I said, what I need to do is go get a workout. So I got dressed and ran down to the health club and worked out for a half an hour from, I think, quarter to six to 6.15. Now I keep track. Reading, developing yourself, being a person who knows a lot about the world that you saw on the screen here, that you can be an effective person in the marketplace or in your ministry. If I read that day about something, I mark it down. Then my wife, spending time with her, the hardest thing is for me to dedicate time to read God's word and pray and spend time with my wife. That's the most difficult part and the part that I failed in more than anything else. My next year is my wife. And I have here, I want to be the kind of husband that makes it easy for my wife to love me. You know what success is? I look back on when I was in the insurance business and in the corporate world, uh, success to me was making quota, making a lot of money, having a new car, big house, nice clothes. Those are the, all the important things. Those are nice. You know what success is? Success is when I arrive in Dallas this afternoon to have a wife meet me at the airport and tell me she loves me and I tell her I love her. Be able to kiss her and hold her, spend time with her. Go to my home and have my two sons and their wives and my grandkids there. That's success. To have a group of friends who love me and care for me, have a ministry of life in the lives of people, that's really what success is. If I lose my testimony and I lose the things I just described to you, nothing on planet Earth will come close to try to replace him there. Next area is my children and my, my sons and my daughter-in-laws and my grandchildren. I got them all listed. I want to be a godly influence on my grandchildren. None of them live near me. I've got to call them. got to write them some letters. Fly them into Dallas. A couple of them every summer to spend some quality time with them. Oh, I want to have an influence on their lives. I want to challenge them. 
to be the people that God saved them to be. You know how I pray for others in my family? I pray, pray Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I pray that they'll have discernment to understand the wisdom and spiritual understanding, to understand what it is God's trying to do in their lives. That's all I pray. If you and I are where God wants us to be, and we have the wisdom of God and spiritual understanding in our lives, we'll make the right choices with the opportunities and we'll be the people that God wants us to be. We'll live the kind of life that God wants us to live. The next area I have is my company. And I have what I want to do in our company. I have the objectives that I had. I, I just took out the last four years objectives that I have established, some things that I wanted to do, kind of person I want to be. The next one's a very exciting one. It's Latin America. God put Latin America on my heart nine years ago. I'm there at least four times a year trying to minister primarily to business and professional people and others. I have in front of my Bible something that's very precious to me. I have the signatures of a meeting we had of about 22 national leaders from all over Latin America. A few years ago we were there when they were changing leadership and the man that was in charge who had married them and led them to Christ and discipled the leadership was leaving and we cried for three days and we wept and God has blended my hearts with them and I have here in my book every country listed why so I can pray through them I have objectives here of what I feel God's laying on my heart to try to establish in these countries from Mexico all the way to Argentina and almost every day I pray for those and some days I take more time to pray through specifically now if I don't have my life organized I'm gonna forget that the next area is my friends and I have them divided into ministry friends and friends that are in business I have a group of about five people that I pray for very very often because they're very special to me and God has them in unique ministry one is the president of your school as I mentioned to you when I get back here to my daily calendar I've written his name across every single day I did it Sunday why because I promised to pray for him and I will not pray for him if it's not there I won't remember but it's amazing because it's been on my mind. I prayed for him three times already today. Just because I said I would and I put it down and I can use that as a tool that God can keep my life focused on the things that are important. But friends are very important. I have a group of people here that I know that I pray for or try to every Sunday morning because I know they're going to be ministering God's word on that Sunday morning. And that's the seventh area, which is my prayer section. Now, I'm just like you I'm busy a lot of things going on if I don't draw some organization in my life then I will never never accomplish the things that God wants me to accomplish what does he want me to do why does he want me to do it and how will I get it done now you don't need to be as complicated as this just start with one area. I want to be the person that God wants me to be. That's what I want to do. Why? That's pretty simple. How? That's also simple. You just have to do it. Start there. I want to be the son or daughter that God would want me to be. Maybe you write to your parents once a week, tell them how much you love them, how much you appreciate the sacrifices some of them are spending for allowing you to come here. When's the last time you told them how much you loved them, how much you cared for them? It's the last time they got a letter from you that would make them sit and just cry because you've expressed your appreciation. Some of you do it all the time. Others of you are probably like me that rarely told their parents that they loved them and then when they were gone it was too late to be able to begin telling them that. 
I'm very careful about that. I tell my kids and my grandkids and my friends. I was telling two of my friends yesterday how much I love them. You know, you see two guys hugging each other today and telling them how much you love each other. People begin to wonder. I'm very careful in the environment in which I do it. But in the environment yesterday, it was a good environment. And we love each other. And we talk on the phone. We say when we get done, I love you. I'm praying for you. We ask each other accountability questions to make sure we're moving in the right direction. Now let's talk about, in the few minutes we have left, that number three where it says how, the word planning. I trust that you're willing to establish some plans, set the course, takes you from where you are to where you want to be, making plans, organizing was the first word, second word, planning, organizing. Then that next word is an important word, controlling. You know what the two most important words for success are? If you didn't have them in front of you and I asked you, you'd be giving me all kinds of words, dedication, determination, <clears throat> planning, control of time. But yes and no are the two most important words for success. What you say yes to and what you say no to. Remember that little song chorus we mentioned on Wednesday? Sin will take you farther than you ever intended to go. You know those verses in James where it talks about temptation and the Satan comes to bait our lives, to entice us to move in directions we ought not to move. And if we accept the bite, the bait, then sin comes and then death comes. When I was going through this material Wednesday morning after the phone call that I had received about this friend of mine and this friend had talked to me on the phone, I had began to write, what is worse than physical death? But that man's going through and his family's going through and my friend's going through and it's not affecting me exactly the same, I'm not there in the environment, is worse than death. And that's why it talks about controlling. Who's the controlling factor? Are you allowing the Spirit of God to control your life? because you're living your life like this? What you're saying yes to and what you're saying no to. The important versus the unimportant. Then how about evaluating? Whenever we make plans and we organize ourselves and we start to move in a direction, we need to sit down and prayerfully evaluate. Is that what God really wants us to do? Evaluation isn't a negative, it's a positive. You know, where is my focus, on me or on God? What progress am I making towards my objectives? Are my objectives... And God's objectives in alignment? Remember, St. Augustine made a great statement. He said, God, I pray that your will and my will will be such that they'll blend together. They'll be equally one. I want all of the objectives that I have for my life to be all of God's objectives for my life so they can blend together in a concert of effort and praise that I might be the person that God wants me to be. You know, what's working and what's not working? Maybe your quiet time's not working. Maybe you need some adjustment in it. You need to evaluate it. Maybe the time that you're doing it isn't good. Maybe some of you don't work, wake up till 11. And it's bad because you got a 9 o'clock class. But you try to have your quiet time very early. My wife can't do it in the morning. She can stay up all night. But at a certain time at night, my body dies. And I just can't stay awake. And I can't read at night late because I'll fall asleep. So it, we're all different. Then it says, after we evaluate, we make the adjustments necessary. Most plans and objectives need to be adjustment, adjusted. It's not a negative. Again, it's a positive. Because we're making the adjustments that God wants us to make. And then what do we do? We start all over again, repeating the process. We take what we have on the screen and what you have in front of you. And we constantly, through our lives, begin to pray, God, what is it you want me to do with my life? In a variety of categories. Maybe similar to what we talked to you about this morning. 
And why do I want to do this? What is my objective and my motivation for doing it? Those two must blend together. And then how will I get it done? God will always give you the resources to accomplish everything it is that he wants you to do. Always. Now let me close by reading some verses to you from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 20. Everything we've talked about in these three days that we've been together are focused on these verses. I'm going to read them to you in the Amplified New Testament. I keep it in the front of my Bible. I read it many times throughout the week. It's kind of the focused verses of my life because the first four verses talks about being the person that God wants you to be. And the last verse talks about doing the work of God. Being and doing. Focus on being that man or woman that God wants us to be, that we might do the work that God called us to do in the marketplace or ministry or career, wherever it is, that we might be those salty lights that God wants us to be. And it says, verse 16, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened. And it says, reinforced mighty through his mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. That's what we've been talking about. That inner man be strengthened. That's what we talked about on Wednesday. Verse 17, that Christ might abide and have a permanent home in your heart. That you might be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Is Christ at home in your heart? Or there are there a couple of closets that you've got to do not go into sign on them? Or the keys hidden in your pocket and you say, Lord, there's about seven rooms here and you can have all of them. But I got one little closet or a little drawer and a dresser. Don't touch. Or can you say, Lord... I want you to be welcome in my whole house and every part of my heart to abide in his presence. Spend some time meditating upon John 15 and the word abiding. 18, that you might be strong. How do you become strong? It says by experiencing the love of God in your hearts to be strong. 19, that you might really come to know him as Paul wanted to know him in Philippians 3.10. To experience that love, to come to know him. To be filled with the fullness of God. And then I love what it says in the Amplified. It says, a body filled and flooded. Love that word, flooded. Filled and flooded with God himself. You've had some horrendous floods in the last few weeks and months in this area of California. You've seen lots of pictures. A couple of years ago, the Mississippi, you saw a whole barn just floating down the river. God says, I want your life not only filled, flooded, overflowing into the environment where you find yourself living, that you might be the salty, light people that God wants you to be. And then he says, this is the great verse, verse 20. All those things are established, and guess what you can do? He says, now to him, in consequence of all the things we've talked about above, in the action of his power, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly. God's word says you can take a sheet like this and you can write down all the objectives and goals and you can stretch your mind beyond your wildest imagination. You can't come close to what God has in store for those of you that love him and want to do it God's way and do his best. You can't even imagine it. My life is so full and so rich and so blessed. I was thinking this morning, wow, just think if I'd have gone another direction as I come to these crossroads every day. I made a wrong choice. And miss the blessing of God in my life and business and the opportunity of ministering to you. Far above, it says, all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or dreams. That's what God wants to do in your life. 
And I trust that's the desire of your own heart. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the wonderful privilege that we've had these days just to spend here and to be able to minister. And we pray, Father, that each one of us might look at our own hearts and ask the question, are we willing to say, yes, Lord, that he might do the work in our hearts he desires to do, that our hearts might express an attitude and actions, Christ-likeness, that you might say to us one day, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name, amen.